welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Health by Heather Hirsch. From the bottom of my heart, I absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is sponsored by a favorite product of mine, UberLube. I've been recommending this to my patients for years. What I love about UberLube is that they use a silicon base and allergies then are extremely rare. It has no added ingredients like scents, flavors, or spermicides, which are often the very same ingredients that cause irritations or reactions. It's also free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. And honestly, what I love the most is this chic glass bottle that it comes in and this nice little pump that allows you to get the perfect amount every time, plus no sticky residue. It's latex compatible and fun fact, it can be used underwater. So if you go to uberlube.com, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com and use the code podcast, you will get 10% off orders on their website. I know you won't be disappointed. Good morning, ladies, and welcome to the show. If you don't know me, I'm Dr. Heather Hirsch. I haven't introduced myself in a while. I am the clinical program director of the Menopause and Midlife Clinic, and I see patients on a consultative basis to discuss midlife, menopause, perimenopause, menopause transition, postmenopause, sexual health, breast health, brain health, and more. And I love doing this podcast. I started this podcast back in 2018 as a way to extend the office visit for my patients. For example, I always teach my patients about the safety and efficacy of whatever their plan is. Typically, you know, about 70% of the time is hormone therapy. The rest of the time it's something else. And I want them to have a resource to go back to, to hear me teach them about the clinical studies, the randomized controls trials, the women's health study, and all the other information that took me years upon years upon years to learn. And hence this podcast was born. Fast forward to, I think, three or four years later, and this podcast community has soared. I am so excited to see this podcast routinely in the top 100, sometimes in the top 50 of the medicine category on iTunes, which is a huge category. And this is so exciting that a podcast on menopause in particular and midlife women's health is reaching the top of the charts. And it is my absolute belief that the most important demographic to society at large is females ages 35 to 65 and particularly 45 to 55, which the majority of you who listen to this podcast are. So you are in the right spot. A quick reminder, if you haven't already, please go on to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts and give this podcast a quick couple of stars or a review because that is helping the algorithms know, gee, this podcast is really picking up in popularity. This podcast is really doing something special and it will then send it or more women will see it when they search for menopause and midlife. A couple other really cool updates. I am getting getting my podcasts transcribed and putting them on my website, heatherhirschmd.com under the new section called blog. Now I'm finding this is a very 
interesting process because certainly some transcription services are better than others and the ones that are better than others are more expensive than others. So right now I have transcribed one of my uh, most listened to podcasts, which is why not to use pellet injections. If you go to my website, heatherhersmd.com under blog, you're going to see that whole podcast transcribed. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, I'm at hormone.health.doc and that is where I gleam so much inspiration for these podcast episodes. And I started a new Instagram page called menopause podcast because I wanted to move a lot of my podcast info over to a different page. Now, today's episode is on why you have not failed at menopause or midlife. I use the word menopause to really also be a synonym for midlife, perimenopause, etc. But it's on why you have not failed. And it was inspired by a conversation I had with a patient not too long ago when we were talking about her symptoms of menopause. And she told me, you know, I tried, you know, uh, over the counter, I have tried herbals and supplements and vitamins. I have tried a a non uh, antidepressant, which is often used to blunt hot flashes. And so, you know, I feel like I have really tried everything else. And so, you know, I'm going to try hormone therapy. I just, there's a part of me that feels like I have failed. Now she is not the first person to say this to me, and she will not be the last person to say this to me. But this is a narrative that women in particular have been fed for almost all of society or all of time. And it's very, very damaging. So in today's episode, I'm really focusing on the idea that you have not failed dot, dot, dot in menopause and midlife by taking hormone therapy, by having a low libido, etc. And I've jotted down some notes and the, the three big topics I want to cover under this uh, title here is why we think this, what is the major harms in my opinion, and lastly, what's a better way of thinking. All right, so without further ado, let's get into it. So in my opinion, this is a narrative that we have been told about multiple conditions specifically related to the woman's reproductive cycle and course. We have constantly been told that your PMS is normal. Just stick through it. Your pain with your periods, well, that's just part of being a woman. That just sucks. That's normal. Stick through it. Menopause, there's a lot of things that suck. There's a lot of things that are hard, but there's nothing you can do. Just stick it out. This narrative, we're going to get into it in the second part, is really harmful, but is something that has been fed to us. And let's all be totally honest. If this happened to the most beloved man in your life, if they had to have periods every month, PMS, cravings, weight gain, etc., hot flashes, dry vagina, painful intercourse, do you think for one second that society would tell that to the other gender? Ah, just stick it out. You're tough. You can do it. It's not that bad. No. Absolutely not. But we have this ingrained in our brain. And this is not necessarily have to be a feminist thing, an anti-feminist thing. I don't care. It is just truth. We tell women that a lot of the things that cause us physical pain are normal. We've been taught this from an early, early age, from the very beginning of our reproductive 
lives. Not only is it about PMS and periods and pelvic pain, because you know, our sexual organs are inside. So I always think about is it better to have them inside or outside? Eh, you know, you could go either way. But it also has a lot to do with motherhood, taking on all the household chores, you know, trying to thrive and be functional and sexy and sexual in midlife and menopause and living your best life in your 60s, 70s, and 80s. There's there's themes of this greater narrative of, well, you know, women have osteoporosis more than men, but you know, just it's just it just happens. And these are false and wrong narratives, but they're things that society, the media, culture, for as far back as we can all remember, have been telling us. So we need to take the narrative back. A lot of times I'm talking to my women in my clinic, and they definitely feel like they have failed and that taking a certain treatment means that they really have to succumb to that failure. Well, I have failed so hard that I need to take hormone therapy. And that is really the thinking I want to turn around in this podcast. And I always tell my patients, listen, these are physiologic processes. This is a physiologic loss of hormones. Now we call them our sex hormones. We call estrogen, testosterone, our sex hormones. But guess what? They have receptors. They work in every single organ system in our body. Again, do you think if the other sex lost their testosterone for even one day, they would tell each other to just stick it out? No, absolutely not. This is a physiologic process. But the idea that media commercials give us is that we haven't eaten the right things. We haven't exercised the right way. We just haven't lived in our, we're just not living our lives the right way. We're not meditating the right way. Well, all of those things can certainly be helpful. They are, you know, nice lifestyle interventions. But when you physiologically have something big happen to you and it affects every organ system, in your body, potentially for years, this, my friends, is not your fault. It is not your fault. Say it with me. It's it's really not your fault. It's a physiologic process. For the majority of women who have symptoms at menopause, which is about 75%, these lifestyle interventions are not enough. And it's not because they're not working. It's because this is a physiologic process that is out of our control. Women also love to be able to control things. I will raise my hand and say I'm the number one proponent of this. I'm a type A person. I like to control every single thing. But when we realize that we are made up of more than uh, things that are just always in our control, it is sometimes quite relieving for my patients to hear that this is a physiologic thing you yourself have not failed. It's an idea that's been put into our brains as females, as women, since the dawn of time. Let it go. So then moving on to point number two is what is the harm in this? Well, I mean, there's, it seems kind of obvious if you've listened to the first couple of minutes of me ranting about the fact that this is a narrative that has been fed to us. The harm is that women do not live their best lives. Women suffer 
tremendously. Women are then less productive. Women contribute less to society. Women's self-esteem declines because they feel as though they are not performing or they're not doing the right thing or they haven't bought the right product. Women are then susceptible to people who are trying to prey on their insecurities that they are doing something wrong, i.e. almost every beauty company, whether, you know, we all buy beauty products. It's, It's not to shame beauty companies. You know, again, it's just all the things that you can see online for menopause support. And the same can be applied to PMS, to hair thinning or hair shedding at menopause and midlife, to weight gain, which is the number one most commonly searched thing in the female demographic age 45 to 55 is weight at menopause. It's, it's, it's the same thing about even uh, pain with your periods. So I did an episode way, way back um, with a good friend and colleague of mine, Dr. King. We talked about endometriosis and the idea that we've been fed this narrative that pain with your periods is totally, that, yeah, that's normal. I mean, it's it's normal to have to stay in bed for a day. Again, think it through. If it was the other sex and they had to waste a day or gasp two a month, not doing anything, not being productive, being in pain, do you think that that would be acceptable? No. So the fact that if we're staying on the pelvic pain part, which is uh, pain with your periods, which is uh, potentially a sign of an underlying condition called endometriosis, and there's many, many others, that you have to take two days out of your month to not be active in your life, not participate in your duties as either a mom or a wife or a friend or a worker. That is hugely impactful on so many downstream things. Now, you could also argue that is this is extremely harmful for women's health in general. I'm going to first touch upon mental health because of course then we feel pain, we feel depressed. Pain hurts. Pain sucks. We all know when we've had that sciatica or that lower back pain, or we've been out with some kind of injury for a while, how depressing it is to not be able to use our body to function. It is depressing to have chronic pain. And if you suffer with endometriosis, if you suffer with PMS or PMDD or menopause, which remember lasts on average five to seven years, it's no wonder that it takes a toll on women's mental health. Now at menopause, could this also be related to the loss of hormones? Yes, but the symptoms itself can certainly contribute to the depressive nature of whatever that woman is going through. On the other hand, can this perpetuate chronic diseases 1000%? I'm going to go back to menopause in particular. We know that when women are suffering in menopause, this can have multiple downstream effects. Let's start with the uh, pretty obvious ones, which is not sleeping. Now, I've preached about this time and time again that research shows women live the longest if they sleep between seven to nine hours, maybe it's seven to eight. Gosh, I haven't slept. When you do not sleep, 
I, I, you know, we all have seasons in life where we do not sleep well. And it is so deserving to every aspect of your life. All right, so side note. So research shows that women live the longest if they sleep between seven to eight hours. When you are not sleeping, this can lead to a plethora of health conditions. Of course, again, going back to a decrease in your overall lifespan, it can increase your blood pressure. It can destroy your metabolism. So it can lead to weight gain. That can then lead to insulin resistance, which can lead to diabetes. That can lead to depression and binge eating and obstructive sleep apnea and da, 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 right? You can almost easily see how not sleeping one simple thing that affects so many women at menopause can lead to a downstream of effects. Let's even take something even a little bit more abstract, like how can uh, genital urinary syndrome of menopause affect your downstream health? Well, studies show that genital urinary syndrome of menopause, of which I've got many, many separate podcast episodes on, and did a great one with my friend and colleague, Dr. Jill Kraft. Check that out. It's a couple podcasts back. But studies have shown that the loss of estrogen and the effects that it has on the bladder, the urethra, the vagina, the clitoris have multiple effects, not just on painful intercourse. You know, the vagina is more than for intercourse. It can also increase your risk for urinary tract infections, perhaps cystitis, nocturia, which is waking up in the middle of the night and having to go to the bathroom. And then back to the whole not being able to fall asleep and not sleeping well. Genital urinary syndrome of menopause has been linked to rates of depression similar to rates of depression with other chronic diseases. For example, COPD, which is a progressive lung disorder. Not having a sexually satisfying life with your partner can decrease your self-esteem. It can affect your relationships. And that can also spill into your family because perhaps there's arguing. Perhaps you're losing sleep because you're having arguments and on and on. You can definitely see that there is a ton of harm in this narrative of you are failing if you need to seek help or if you need to seek treatment and definitely if you need to take hormone therapy. You have absolutely failed if you need to go all the way down the chain. Now, in this last section here where I'm going to talk about what I think is the actually right thinking, I am going to flip this script upside down. First, a little word from me. I just want to remind you that my course, The Complete Guide to Menopause, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know, Your Doctor Never Told You, is available for you to take online at your own pace. This six-hour course that I created covers everything you could ever want to know about menopause. Ideally, it's like sitting with me in an office and having a long conversation about menopause, the definitions, the facts, and the evidence behind making the right decision for you. In this course, I really walk you through how to come out of this journey feeling confident and successful instead of confused and frustrated, which is what I find so many women go through and why I became a menopause doctor and why I created this course for you. If you want to learn more about the course, simply go to my website, heatherhirschmd.com slash course. There you can also find all the wonderful reviews and you can browse through all of the different lessons and the first one is free. So check it out today. So as promised, what is it that 
I, Dr. Heather Hirsch, just one small person in the world, think is the actual correct stepwise process in thinking? Well, certainly I'm going to flip this script upside down. Now, again, a lot of this has to do with certainly some inherent biases that I do have, but those biases that exist in my brain come from me treating and seeing women in menopause every single day, me studying the randomized controlled trials and all of the other research published about menopause, hormone therapy, and chronic diseases, me having had a trajectory where I am board certified in internal medicine and think a lot about chronic diseases and their effects on women into their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and and me talking about menopause every single day. So those are my inherent biases. But I think that you win when you live your best life and you are treating your body appropriately and you are setting your body up for decades of success. That to me is winning. Failing is when you are not thriving and you are, you know, influenced heavily by that idea that if you do something about it, if you seek help or gasp, if you take hormone therapy, you've really reached the lowest of the lowest point. So I flipped that script upside down. I actually just recently participated in a wonderful panel on uh, women's health. And it was attended by nurse practitioners. And of course, there was many questions fielded to me on hormone therapy. And the first question I got was, you know, what is your first go-to non-hormonal options for menopause? And I said, listen, my first go-to non-hormonal option for menopause is hormone therapy. I, I skip non-hormonal options and I start with hormone therapy. Now, it's true that not everyone can take hormone therapy and not everybody wants to. So I also really, really, really want to let you know that yes, there are certainly women who cannot take hormone therapy. They have clear contraindications and women also have the right to not want to take hormone therapy or not accept the risk. So this is not about shaming anyone. I'm trying to take the entire shame out of everything. You win when you feel good. And for the majority of women, that is individualized. But again, if I'm making big assumptions and doing a podcast, and I also really want to flip the narrative, I always say when I'm looking at a woman who has no known contraindications to hormone therapy and is a really good candidate and is suffering, the first option should be hormone therapy. Why? Because it is going to check all those boxes. Hormone therapy, especially when used within 10 years of menopause, while it's not used for the primary prevention of heart disease, that's a thing I have to say, we also know that hormone replacement can help protect your heart protect your bones, protect your genitourinary syndrome, which is the vagina, the bladder, the urethra, most likely protect your brain, improve your symptoms, get you to sleep, get you to feel amazing. And then the downstream effects flip upside down from what I said in the first 10 minutes of this episode. You sleep, you feel great, you feel motivated, you want to exercise, you want to make that decision to eat healthier, you want to da, 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 da. you can see how a lot of people then have these downstream major positive effects of starting with hormone therapy. And I don't think that means you failed. I think that means you're smart. I think there is nothing more natural than replacing a hormone that you lost. 
Compare this to hyper or hypothyroidism. You may have that condition or you may know a friend or family member who does. If you lose your thyroid, we don't say, well, you're really going to fail if you don't stick this out, right? No, we replace the the, the the thyroid hormone that you're missing because it has so many effects on your body. And estrogen, ladies and gentlemen, is no friggin' different. Now, is it natural that we go through menopause? Sure, but it's only natural to me because we have outlived our ovaries. I really think that we were created to have estrogen around the majority of our lives, just like thyroid. So we don't say, gee, stick it out that you're TSH is 100. Sorry, not not a whole lot we can do. It's really dangerous if you take thyroid. Listen, thyroid hormone has side effects too. It's not just replacing estrogen. We have overestimated and really put the, the fear in women about taking hormone therapy. And I have multiple podcasts on that, so I don't want to divulge too much in on that. But again, I think you are winning if you feel great. And for a lot of women, especially that I see, because right when you're at your wit's end and you're really symptomatic, um, you come to see the menopause expert. And for the majority of time, I would say 60, 70% of the time, we are doing hormone therapy. And I think that should be step number one just flat outright. You haven't failed if you need hormone therapy. And you haven't failed if you think that you've failed. Remember, these are really deeply rooted subconscious ideas that we have been given since birth. It's not your fault if you feel this way. My whole role on this episode in general is to really help you pull the curtain back to help you see uh, why you maybe feel this and why you are not the only person uh, by far to feel this way. So for me, you fail if you give into this and you continue to push through and you spend years feeling crappy and your health deteriorates. Mm-hmm. And who is winning? Potentially the other sex who doesn't have to deal with this. I digress. Okay. The second thing then I think about is either non-hormonal options or a lifestyle as well and add those to hormone therapy. Now I do have a whole podcast on if you can't take hormone therapy, what are the non-hormonal options? And there are these, they exist. And for some women, they do work really, really well. And there are in the pipeline, some newer non-hormonal options being developed, which I think are going to be more targeted than the ones that we currently have on the market. But I don't use non-hormonal options as first line for menopause. And that's why this podcast came to mind, the idea that you're failing if you use specifically hormone therapy and or if you're doing something, gosh forbid, about your menopause. But, you know, the last segment of this is the miseducation of uh, clinicians. Um, and this, again, deeply rooted idea, I would say actually deeply rooted really more in the last 15 to 20 years that you, you need to start with non-hormonal options. Uh, both NAMS and ACOG and the Endocrine Society really strongly say that hormone therapy is particularly safe when used within 10 years of menopause. And the uh, American Heart Association also came out with a statement on how menopause is a novel risk factor for heart disease. And if you've listened really closely to this podcast, you can easily see how that could be true. You go through menopause, you have terrible symptoms, they last seven years, your health starts to deteriorate, you gain weight, your A1C starts to increase, your lipids start to um, 
go up your bad cholesterol. You develop metabolic syndrome. You develop hypertension. You develop risk factors for heart disease, which is the leading cause of death in women. So to me, I really think that hormone therapy is winning, especially if you are symptomatic, and I think it should be thought of first. So I hope this podcast was helpful. I really wanted to take a concept that is hard to demystify in words and make it make sense from where I sit as a clinician who is board certified in internal medicine and thinks about chronic conditions and chronic diseases and their intersection with midlife and menopause. And also think about how this narrative of failing for treating yourself is something that stems from decades upon decades upon decades ago and how it's not just about menopause, but applies to many of the reproductive stages in a woman's life. So I hope this really opened your eyes to essentially what I see as a really big destructive pattern that is not your And I wish that clinicians knew more about menopause and midlife and how important this is so that you don't have to do all the work yourself. But as you know, I am on a mission to improve menopause education across this country and many of my mentors and people across the pond and people that I work with and talk with and um, passionately, you know, advocate with are working on this across the globe. So we are working on that. But one of the things you can do is send this podcast to a friend, put a review on iTunes, check out my YouTube channel, Health by Heather Hirsch, help this show because it will help other women and we need to get our voices heard. So you simply doing uh, a star on iTunes, a comment, or uh, sending it to a friend or posting it on your Facebook if you found this episode or uh, prior episodes helpful is huge. So thank you so much in taking this journey with me to improving women's midlife care. All right, ladies, thank you so much as always. And I will see you next week for a brand new episode. Bye everyone. Stay well, stay safe, stay healthy.